honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. What's going on, everybody? So you are listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I do want to do something a little bit differently this time. Um, so I interviewed Michelle, who's the CEO of Soch, which they've been around for 20 years, which is just like an incredible, incredibly long time period and something that I can't even fathom because I've only been an entrepreneur full time for about three years now. And like just incredible conversation. We were able to dive into her career, how she's changed as an entrepreneur, how she's um, been able to sustain um like herself and her mind and her team and all these things throughout that long period of time. Um, but just so you know what's going on in our lives and in our business, I do want to start talking more about that because there's a lot going on. I feel like I'm missing a huge opportunity, but not sharing that with you guys. So we recently brought on a business coach and she's been absolutely incredible and helped us transform our business and really get clear, helping us to get clear on where we're going and clear on our roles and everything like that. So um, I feel really, really good about where we're at as a business. And I feel like we are going to be able to sustain now because we have that clarity. And I feel like anyone that we bring in now, um, it's going to be a lot better because they're going to know, hey, this is where we're going. This is the vision vision for the future. And here's my exact role. So the business coach has been super, super rad. Um, and I briefly talked about it in this episode. Michelle is just someone that I've looked up to for a long time. I've been following her for like five years and I'm super excited for you to get to listen to this episode. Um, and if, again, if you like what you hear, just let us know. Um, if you have any questions or anything like that, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be rad. But here's the episode. Is there anything you want to specifically touch on? Anything you want to talk about that you really do? Um, not necessarily. It's yeah. your, it's your, uh, I mean, you're the expert here, so. Also, I do want to show you this, mm -hmm. this phone case. I saw that out there. It was and pretty it cool. Works. Oh, so you can use it? It's got like 18 games on it. I'm <laughs> it's incredible. Like, it's, Kato, Super Mario Bros. I was going like to say, like, is there like Frogger at all? Frogger, or is that the, no. no. I forgot who made Frogger, though. I don't know uh, if that was an Atari. I want to say, game. yeah, the PlayStation. I want to say. Yeah. I used to have, like, a life-size Atari, or not Atari, um, game, and it had Frogger, and it had Space Invaders. Mm. They were selling them at Marshalls one year for, like, $360, so Santa Is it life-size? Yeah. Yeah, life-size. I mean, like, you know, like, the, what you see in an arcade. Yeah. So it was in our house for a long time, and then I think the kids just didn't. Just I think I played it more than the kids did, so... <laughs> It was fun. You know. Awesome. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and again, I'll shoot the pre-recorded intro after, okay. so you don't have to worry about that, and then we'll take photos quick, and then you're good. Okay. Anywhere from like 25 cool. to 40 minutes or so. All right. And then we just Super talk to each other. Just make sure. I'll probably chill back here, actually. I usually right. have my chair. Um, actually, let me do Never mind. I won't be chilling back there. <laughs> you're going to lean in. <laughs> Yeah, super intimate. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank I'm you geeked. for having me. I'm excited. I warn everybody that I get super, super weird. I've got like this persona. I don't know. I go in this mode when I'm on, when I'm on camera. So <laughs> thank you for joining me. <laughs> so you get excited and you're like. Ah, yeah. But not when we're off camera. That is you're a little laid back. And then <laughs> that's funny because oftentimes on camera, I'm the opposite. Really? I'm far more animated. Yeah, because I'm not. 
I think I overthink it. So I'm yeah. going to try not to overthink it. And I'll just have fun with you. No, you're going to forget it, sir. It take, yeah. It's weird. It takes a, It took me a while, at least, to just get used to the camera. Now it's like, now I'm trying to get to the same point, like where I'm on stage speaking that I am on camera. I can do on stage speaking without a problem. That yeah. like is so, super, it's just, if it's, especially if it's a big group, mm. like if I have 300 people, no problem. 20 people, it's a little different. I get nervous. More intimate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. See, I was a musician and... Like, I would always hide behind my guitar and <laughs> never had to, like, never looked at anybody. My eyes were always closed, so I don't know. But the camera is my zone. <laughs> Speaking, I'm getting there. But I appreciate you coming on. Um, for those that don't know you, if you could just give us a rundown of who you are and maybe why you do what you do. Um, I am Michelle DeGilio. I am the CEO at Soch, which is a... Social media advertising agency, it's an advertising agency in general, so we do websites and um, out-of-home television, but we, I like to focus on social media. The company started 20 years ago specifically doing websites, but I like social because it has the two-way conversation aspect to it, and so you can actually build relationships, which is why I do what I do, because our, our why statement is we believe brands grow by creating meaningful connections. And um, that's been proven to me over and over throughout my life. And so I like to make that connection for people and mm. with people. And social media allows me to do it on a regular basis. And then we can do it for our clients as well. When you say like, which I agree, but you say you help brands go by creating those meaningful connections. And I hear a lot of people say things like that, like, yo, you should be focused on community. You should be focused on relationships. But then people think that just, hey, I'm going to go comment. Cool. Nice photo. Great photo. Yes, you should buy my stuff. Right. Like, what does that actually look like? Well, if it's done right. And that's a big if, because even for some of the brands that we work with, depending on their budget, there's only so much you can do. Right. So if you're doing it Right, that's a lot of behind the scenes interacting. So a lot of direct messaging, having conversations with the end consumer, and um, building the relationship outside the brand. So what we'll do is we'll talk to our clients, consumers, about things that have nothing to do with their products. What are, the, what are their daily lives mm -hmm. like? What are their kids' names? Where are they going to college? What did they have for dinner last night? And actually build those relationships so far and so that if we don't hear from somebody, we'll reach out. You know, if it's a consumer, a client consumer will reach out if we haven't heard in, from them in like two weeks and say, hey, hi, how are you? Yeah. Is everything okay? So it's a real true relationship. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And what that means for the client is that when, if something happens to go wrong, which it does occasionally, then you've got a community of people there to defend you already. So that's no, what I agree. like to do. You, um, so you've been in, you said 20 years? It'll be 20 years this October. One, congrats. That's <laughs> ridiculous. You. I can't even imagine. It's been one year of my business, three <laughs> years as a full-time entrepreneur. Um, I remember in college, I was in a course. I don't remember what it was, like social media or maybe communications. And my Definitely communications. And my mm -hmm. teacher told me there's no ROI in social media. How did you go through like those 20 years when people, a lot of people like thought that? Like, I know you started well, with websites. Yeah, so we started with websites. And, and the, the idea was that... Um, I was working for a website development company, and my dad's always been an entrepreneur. He is a mm. commercial construction company, and this was 1999, and so he came to me with a website proposal. It was, I think, $150,000 or something. No, it wasn't that much. It was maybe thirty dollars to $50,000, and it was four pages. It was a homepage, about page, contact, and then projects with pictures of projects. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This poor guy can't afford $30,000, and... 
it doesn't cost that much to build it. He was being fleeced. Like a lot of businesses were being fleeced at that time because people didn't know how to build websites like they do now and they didn't have the tools. So I said, I can do this. And um, I recognized a need and that was to go to the small business owner and basically build them a website that looked as good as any very expensive website to help level the playing field. Mm. I think that my dad's website never really fully got built. <laughs> so, um, so we did that for about nine years, but in the process before storytelling was a thing, right? Um, we were sitting across from the owners of companies and they were telling us their stories and we were taking that story and making it into a, a digital presence. No one was saying, oh, we're gonna tell your story and I wasn't saying it then either. So you flash forward, and what we find when social media came on the scene and was a big deal was that we could tell the story bit by bit, day by day, and build these relationships. Early on, I knew that we were going to have to start talking ROI and numbers, and this is right when you could start advertising on Facebook, so probably mm. 2011, maybe, and no one was advertising yet. Um, we had to really sit down and look at what is the value and, and what do we bring to the table. And it always came back to the same metric, which is where it is today still, is impressions, right? You're showing through impressions. And then um, how can we grow those impressions on a natural level without having it be too advertising, which comes into the relationship. So it's still a really hard thing to, to measure because to me, if, if you're telling me that something is a good product or I should try something, word of mouth marketing, right? That's much more valuable than any advertising I can put out. However, monitoring word of mouth marketing and, and, and um, measuring it is almost impossible. And I'm not talking about influencers. I'm like no. talking about real word of mouth marketing. So, um, you know, we, we put certain things in place to track it, but what we have to do and what it always comes back to is and I've learned this the hard way, you have to do business with people who believe what you believe. And if they believe that building relationships is important, then they're gonna understand the metrics that we put in place and, and understand the ROI. If they don't, if they, if they say they do, mm. you find out pretty quickly. And it's a little soul-sucking <laughs> when, yeah. when they say they do, because people wanna say that. They wanna say, we believe that relationships will help us grow, but then six months down, they're saying, well, impressions or click-throughs or whatever, it's not, you know, and it takes a while to build. You can't yeah. build a relationship overnight. So. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. And like for us specifically, like we kind of got lucky. Like we had built these personal brands. So a lot of clients that came to us, like there was this influx at first. So we were able to decline a lot of people because like, oh, no, not a good mm -hmm. fit. Not a lot of people get that option. At least mm -hmm. they don't think they have that option. Would you advise them like, hey, like, no, like stick with your values, align with customers that align with clients that are aligned with your values or take what you can get? Yeah, I think it's a tough mix, quite honestly, because I've been in both positions and mm. um, sometimes we take clients because we need to take a client and it's just that simple. Um, and we also have to listen to you know what's happening in the world and what clients' needs are because their needs are always shifting. So we're constantly evolving and changing. If you can say no to people whose values you know don't align, I'd say do it if you can't. You have to be very careful. Like, there are certain people that I've met with and I've said, absolutely not. We're not working with these people. Um, if you get into a relationship that is soul-sucking, it can kill the entire team. It can kill culture. Um, but I also know at the end of the day, you still have to make money. I, I yeah. met with a woman yesterday and she was struggling with 
where is the next check going to come from? And I worked through, like, how are we going to get the check in the door? What is going to happen? And so that, that at, at the end of the day, you still have to make money. So it's a, it's a fine balance, and I think everyone's balance. Everyone's place is a little different, how much they can take. Uh, we, we did a lot of work that was probably not in our scope early on because mm -hmm. we needed work. So, yeah, I'd like to say altruistically that, no, don't take the business. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have to pay bills, you have to pay bills. So. No, absolutely. Would you say it's, and I know, like, it's, it's peaks and valleys. It's always peaks and valleys. Would you say more, like, now you're taking clients that you? Yeah. 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 Um, in the beginning, we were doing website work, and that's what we did. But we quickly found out that we'd also do what logo work because we could do design work, and we would do brochure work and mm. all the work that we initially weren't going to do. But you know how it goes. You get one client, and they, they trust you. And so they say, well, can you do this, and can you do that? And it starts to snowball. And we wouldn't go so far over the line that we were doing something completely out of our a sort of radio show expertise. for us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you're like, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, there's, there's a lot that we can do now. We have, a my 20 years and Al has, I don't know, maybe another 20 years and his side is very much traditional and, um, well, traditionally he's, he's more website. He yeah. did websites more recently. We stopped doing websites at Soch maybe, eight, nine years ago, and he was still doing them, so he brings that back to the table. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always, I always look at it as a little bit of a challenge if there's some like new opportunity that is within our realm of marketing and, and advertising, then I would still take it on yeah. typically, because I like to learn. No, I dig that. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about like the, the 20 years, like what's going through your mind? Um, how have you grown like as a leader? Like, because that stuff is always like, <laughs> Super, super intriguing to me because again, I'm, I haven't been in it for five years yet. Yeah, um, learned by failure in a lot of ways, and then recently learning by just devouring as many books, TED Talks, podcasts, whatever I can. We started, and it was me and my business partner, and it was just two of us, and then we'd bring on contract people when we needed them, and not have them when we didn't need them, and that worked really well for about. 10 years mm. and so we hired our first employee I'd say 10 years ago and have never I've never managed a person in my life right so um, and I'm I'm very much a caretaker so you learn by making mistakes and we've had a lot of mistakes and then we were able to learn by reading books and 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 listening to podcasts but I think that I look back over the mistakes that I've made, and, I'm, and I know people just say this in general, but I'm I'm okay with everything. Like we're doing a, we always go to Summerfest the first night of Summerfest, and we just set up an invite where we're invited everyone that's ever worked at Soch, hmm. and you know some people we fired, some people quit, but it, the relationship is such a family relationship. Like it's it's all these people. I it's, it's not that they work for me. I love them. I you know yeah. I, I love them. We took care of each other. They showed up for me. I've shown up for them. And I look at that and I think that's the, for me, that's what I wanted to do. And I'm okay with it. I think when you have employees, team members, whatever you refer to them as, it's a really difficult thing to deal with because a small team, I mean, you guys must be very close, close knit. And, and how do you hold someone accountable when you're that close to them? Is very difficult <laughs> so um, that we learned 
by trial and error. Yeah. And then when, as we hired other people, they did have management experience and they would come in and say, this, this isn't how you should do this. You should do it this way. And then we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So, <laughs> but now we do a lot of reading. Um, a couple of books that um, I love are it's Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. Mm. He walks through culture and really um, how to keep a good culture going in a company. And to me, that's the most important thing for me. I want to come to work every day and enjoy what I do and enjoy the people I work with, and that's what matters. Yeah, I'm not looking to build, you know, I don't need to have a private jet. I'm okay. Like, I don't need to have this huge company. I'd rather build a family that I'm going to, you know, enjoy being with. But not everyone looks at it that way. Yeah. So, and that's okay, you know, to each their own. But um, so managing people was a big thing to learn. I would highly suggest that if you... If you're the creative like I was and I am, that you bring someone in to manage people. And that's what Al really... Yeah. And he's also creative, but he's really good at managing people. Yeah. So... And we just started working with a business coach and she's like, this is where you're at. This is where you're really good. You need to maintain, like you need to be up here so and find someone else. And we already had him. Like Izzy does a very good job. Chandler mm -hmm. also does as well. That is going to focus more on ops, right? Oh. So you can... You be the face, you drive traffic, you focus on your crazy ideas because you have freaking a million before lunch, you know? And I, yes. I agree. I agree having that person. Yeah, it's the... And what I used to do, which I think would just completely terrorize the team, is I'd come in with all these ideas and then they would be like, which shiny object to chase? And not all of the ideas are good, yep. right? Most They're of them just, are bad. Yeah, most <laughs> of them are bad. Exactly. And so, and then for a while I have Kara and I'm telling Kara the crazy ideas and she doesn't know what to do. So now I really focus on, I tell Al... Mm. And then we talk them through, but I get so excited about the ideas, yeah. you know. Um, but it's good. We've we've learned oh, this is the best way to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then he picks the ones that he thinks are good, and then sometimes I'll push through. And you know, we have a great relationship. We um, we don't fight. We uh, argue like brother and sister, mm. but the arguments are always respectful, and they make us both better is what yeah. I would say. So it's a really, I think it's a really cool relationship. It's really hard to find. Um, me and Izzy have known each other like I think seven, eight years. So like we're very much like brother and brother, right? Like, yo, that's, that's fucking stupid. You know, like <laughs> this is why, like he would, would, like easy, easy, but it's hard to get everybody else there. Yes. How have you like encouraged your team to, I, I guess, get there? I know that's not a, not a good question. <laughs> no, no, it's, I think the team, oh, I should probably ask them before I answer this. <laughs> We don't want to speak out of turn. They're going to be like, are you crazy? Um, I think that the team trusts me and believes in me and knows that I'm going to show up for them. Mm. Um, and because I do the same, I trust them and I believe in them. And there's this, I'd say, mutual respect. I don't, it's, I don't think I've ever said anything like, I'm the boss and we're doing this. And even when we're out and doing introductions to people, I don't introduce myself as a boss. I feel that I'm part of this team. Yeah. And I bring something to the team, and everyone else on the team brings something equal or greater than what I can bring. And um, I'm just the one that's crazy enough to take the risks to have my name, yeah. you know, on, on the dotted line. And Al is too. Al's a partner. So, you know, we're the ones going, all right, we'll, we'll stick our neck out and take the risks. And um, But that's really where... It ends. I don't feel like I'm any better than anyone else on my team. And I think 
that coming in with that type of leadership, I think they are, I hope, I guess, that they see that and then they show up and they understand. Yeah. But they're all, I mean, they're not all super young. I used to keep thinking they were all under 30, but they're not. We only have one under 30 now, <laughs> which is still young, by the way. But um, but they're young, and I think that they understand that, you know, you've got experience that you're bringing to the table, and there's a bigger picture. And um, and I think the other thing is they, they believe and they know that they can make change. Hmm. You know, they don't have to. This isn't a big corporation. If they see something... And Kara's the perfect example. She sees oftentimes like these are things that can be fixed. This is what we can do better. And there's no red tape or all this bureaucracy to go through to get the change done. And I think that's powerful for people when yeah. you can actually affect change in a company. So I love uh, that. I love the the talk around culture. What would you say are like some things that maybe not a lot of people think about? Like maybe they're they're minute things that um, you're doing, you're implementing that have positively impacted your culture. Um, I think probably the biggest is, uh, I don't want to say bring your whole self to work because that's not a minute thing, but we do, because we operate like a family, the, the weirdest thing I think is we know a lot that's going on in people's personal lives. Um, and that little change is like when someone's having a rough time. Um, we've had, over the course of the last 10 years with employees, we've had some pretty tough situations. You know, you've had a couple of deaths, we've had cancer, we've had, um, you know, just financial difficulties, all sorts of things where they come and they're talking to us. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that that's happening behind the scenes, it doesn't necessarily mean we let up on the accountability, but you cut a little slack for someone, you know, when they're in a cranky mood or they're, yeah. or just a little short or whatever the case may be. I think that's been a huge thing. And it's that um, empathy where we can create a, a culture of empathy and um, that piece alone changes how people you know, yeah. deal with each other. I would tell you that almost every time someone's quit, they're crying in the office. <laughs> you know, they come in and they feel, not only because they're, they, they feel like they're letting us down, which they're not. I'm so happy when someone gets an opportunity. Yeah but they feel like they're letting the team down and what's going to happen. And, and it's because we've built this, I think, culture of really understanding and empathy um, that they, they feel that way. And I'm, I think that's very sweet, but yeah. I'm also like, don't cry. Like you have this great opportunity, <laughs> go do your thing. Um, but yeah, I think that's really a small, those are the daily things that occur that make a difference. I think we should bring my team in at some point and see what the, how they would, it's, it's like, it's like the dating game where like I give one answer and the team gives another. <laughs> I like that though. And I think there's a underlying thing there that you're saying, which is um, it's outlined in like the culture code if you've read that, but it's safety. Mm -hmm. Like people yeah. need to feel safe, right? Like I'm, I feel safe to voice my ideas, my opinions. And it's something that I've had to realize a hard way is mm -hmm. I, I was a freaking tyrant of a leader. Like this is the way, this is what we're going to do. And even if I was right, I was very, very rude a lot of the time, not so much in this business, mm -hmm. but in previous ventures. So having that and fostering that sense of safety. Yeah, I think that safety is a huge thing. And I've said, I mean, we've had ups and downs. We've had really bad times. And I've told the team like, look, you, you don't have to worry about your job. Your mm -hmm. job is safe. I will make sure that you are getting a paycheck. They've never missed a paycheck. They've never missed a payroll. Um, and I told them, like, if I have to mortgage my house to get it done, you, you're going to be okay. We've never fired anyone because of lack of funds. And 
some people might look at that and say you're dumb because then you have debt because of it. Mm. But I don't ever want anyone to worry that they're going to have a job and a paycheck. And if they're doing good work, I've got their back. It's very simple. And so I think that's a, you know, that is a big deal. Like safety is a huge thing. And, you know, we've had to, um, we've had to make adjustments on some of the things we used to offer a lot more things, but 2017 was a nightmare of a year. And then you mm -hmm. have to make some adjustments and then as things get better, you, you bring things back. But, um, you know, it's, it needs to be a, a good environment for their, for the team to come to you so that they can do their best work. Yeah, I love that. Talk to me on like the business side. Let's say you have to go back. Like you're starting an agency, exactly what you're doing now. Maybe not like exact realm that yeah. you're working in now. You're starting it in 2019. What are the first few things you're doing in order to get clients? Um, in the very beginning, oh, it was so kitschy, but it was so funny. Um, you know, we put together a brochure, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I would start just looking up. I mean, keep in mind, this is at the very beginning of the internet. So <laughs> it's very different now. Like now we can hop on LinkedIn and we yeah. can start looking at things. Um, it always went back to the relationship. So we would put together gift boxes. Sounds really silly, but like you know, we'd put together gift boxes and deliver these gift boxes to people. And just say, hey, give us a chance. Just let us, and they weren't, it wasn't like we were spending hundreds of dollars. They were, they were very, like, I, that's why I say it was kitschy. They were very homemade. Um, but it was, but we knew of the person enough or we had done enough research to make them personalized. And it always comes back to that personalization. And we'd drop off a gift box and say, hey, give us a chance. Just, just meet with us. And, yeah. um, and then, oh man, I'll tell you, we would, you go through the, this is going to date me, but we'd go through the yellow pages. That's what we had. We had the yellow pages. And people were spending like $3,000, $5,000 to be in the yellow pages. That's crazy. And we could build a website for $3,000, $5,000, you know. And so I literally had someone say to me at the time, why would I buy it? Why would I build a website I have a yellow pages ad? And I'm like, oh, gosh. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what we would do. And it's still what we do in a different, you know, in a different yeah. way. Um, but word of mouth started to to spread and it was, you know, we built this website and then that website and people started saying, hey, these, it was two, you know, Jeanette was my business partner and we're still good friends, but she left like four years ago, I think, um, doing her own thing. But, um, you know, we would go out and we would just talk with people. And then of course we joined professional groups. We were part of Wisconsin Women Entrepreneurs, which I think is now National Association of Women Business Owners. Mm. Um, very active in those types of organizations, and we we're just building those relationships one by one. When you flash forward to kind of today's technology that we have, um, what we did was we took, it was basically nine to 10 years of building relationships that way, and then we got on Twitter, and mm -hmm. Twitter allowed us to double our network within three months. So nine to 10 years of building it face-to-face -face and pounding the pavement, to doubling that and being able to just, you know, reach out on a daily basis and have conversations and build relationships, yeah. which is why we ended up throwing um, a tweet out at Iron Horse Hotel in 2011. And it happened, I mean, you talk about luck, right? It's yeah. luck is what, it's like the hard work and you just, you know, a little bit of, you know, connectivity. And we, without knowing, ended up throwing this tweet up during Sweeps Week, and every news station showed up, and 
150, however many people showed up at this event. And it was at a time when the, the economy wasn't very good. And so people needed to get in a room and have face-to-face conversations. Yeah. And I was never worried about competition. Plenty of people did what we did. And, but plenty of people needed the business. I'm still not worried about competition. You know, there's so much business out there. We're just better when we collaborate. Um, and Al, Al's always in the back of my ear because he's the one that's a little bit more, you know, worried about that piece of it. Yeah. And it's good. I need him because he protects me. But I also think we're better together. And you, you know, so we put everyone in the room and they started doing business and, and it was great. And we, had a little bit of luck with the news and um, a lot of hard work. I was, I was printing off name tags at like two in the morning the night before, and I think <laughs> there's a tweet because my printer broke down. This is what I love about social media. <laughs> I, you know, I had like a an inkjet. It wasn't some yeah. fancy printer, right? And I'm printing off like 150 name tags, making sure they're right. Printer breaks down, and I send a tweet at like 2 a.m. and I get answers on how to fix my printer, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. So again, that's it. Always comes back to that community feeling. Like there are people there to support you and help you. Yeah. If you want to ask for help, and if you're, and so. Do you think that's where like social's going? Like I know Facebook like has made this huge pivot, and I've always talked about that. But for me, like, I love like Discord. If you're familiar with that, yep. like it's mm-hmm. community based, but like very niche, yep. right? Like here's this game. Let's talk about it. Or like. A, that to me, like, is the future. Super, super community based. One hundred percent, and that's what I think their groups movement is mm-hmm. all about. I don't know how it will go because groups have been around for a long time. They're just finally making this push for them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the the future goes. Yes, I think community base is important. I think in general, people are tired of some of the negativity and. Um, but you're always going to have trolls and you're always going to have, you know, the, the beauty of Facebook, the, the, the nature of Facebook and the beauty and also the downfall is that it shows us content that it thinks we want to see, hmm. which is a problem because then we lose diversity of thought. Um, and then, you know, like I had a moment, you scroll back on my Facebook in January and I am just ranting because I'm everyone, like everyone else in the, well, like everyone that thinks the way I think. <laughs> You gotta phrase it differently. Uh, I, you know, you're angry. There's a lot of stuff going on that we're angry about, and you know, it kind of hit my edge. And um, but what I was noticing is I was now seeing everything in Facebook was all Trump, 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 and mm-hmm. angry. And and because I come from a small town in Wisconsin, half of my feed and half of my friends are very much not half, but because but a good deal are very supportive of some of the things that are going on and I'm on the other side. And um, there's a a problem with that because all you're seeing is one type of thing. So I had to actually go out and make a change. I literally was going to like my niece's page and like (laughs) just so I could see other things. Hack the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so you're sitting there going, ugh. But I think there's a danger in it. Um, And I think Facebook and social media is a tool that humanity is misusing I would agree. right now. And if we don't spread the word and get more people to, to really understand how to use this tool, it could be the downfall of humanity. And I think I, I said to you before, I'm like, I have an existential crisis every day because I get up and I benefit from what is definitely the downfall of humanity if we don't change the way we use the tool. 
Yeah. It's a very simple thing. Because we don't view it as a tool. Like, no. and Not even a tool, like an extension. Like technology in general, like caveman sticks, like I need to get an apple or a tree or whatever yep. the fruit was, you know? Like it's always been there. It's just an extension. It's just an extension. And I think that it's a problem. And, and when you live in, you know, urban, we're in this environment. You've got people who chose to live in, you know, an urban environment because they think a certain way or, or whatever. <sighs> That's great. And we're surrounded by people who, in a lot of ways, are like-minded. Mm. That's great. You go out, and I'm not saying that everyone who lives in the sticks is, you know, closed-minded or whatever, but there's a great TED talk about bridge up versus bridge down people. Mm. And the fact is that we really all have the same goals for the most part. You know, you want you you want to be safe. You know, you go back to humanity. Like, what do you need yeah, as a human? The hierarchy. Yeah, and we yeah. and we all have the same goals. It's how we're reaching those goals. And some people live in this fear that as we let more people in, they're going to take things away from us and hurt our kids. And yeah. some of us live. You know, I feel like the more the merrier. Like, let's. I can learn so much from other people that, and so you know, I think you see that divide on Facebook and how you get across to people. And, and I'm not always right. Yeah, I can learn so much from other people, but also, yeah, people can hurt me. You know, people can hurt me if I let them in, and I've certainly been hurt. And so I think it's trying to like educate people on how to use this tool. And and also, when we saw you at uh, 88.9 the other day, mm-hmm. when Kelly and I were talking about this, I think it may have been after you guys left, but we were talking about. This might be giving away an idea, but I really don't care. I just hope someone does it. Creating a bias bot, because in mm. marketing, I recognize the words used to have you, to have, like, to yeah. make you have a bias, right? Yeah. Um, and not everyone does. And so I can read, you know, something that's super, like, on the Democrat side. And even though I agree with some of the things they're saying, I can also recognize I'm, I'm being manipulated in my thoughts right now because of the words that are being used. But I know this because I do it in marketing every day, you know. I'm using my my, you know, my knowledge for good where mm. I'm trying to put a product in front of someone that I think they're actually going to want and be happy that they have and benefit and all sorts of things. But we're very it's, it's a very dangerous time with with the bias words that are being used in the media right now. And I think that there needs to be a massive education campaign about it so that people can use this tool in a better way and make them happier. Yeah. You know, people are not happy when they get on social media. Yeah. So Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to me. Because again, like I'm I'm a big like futurist, big techie. Like I love everything tech and to me, like I love social. It's not an issue for me because like I'm literally the exact same person. Like it's literally an extension, yeah. like I think a lot of the issues go back to people just not knowing who they are, people not having that self-awareness, people not loving themselves, whatever mm-hmm. it is, but just not taking enough time for themselves. And they're yep. always spending it on X, Y, and Z out there. So I don't know. I hope it, I hope it gets better because I love tech. You know? I do too. I think, um, again, I think it's a tool. I think Facebook has done some shady things and they yeah. need to be careful. Um, and you know, it, it's all going to be regulated. It's not going to be long before it's regulated. But it's, uh, I love... I love the line in Jurassic Park where they're like, life will find a way, you know, yeah, life will find a way. And you're always going to have, and that's what the beautiful thing is. Like you've got Discord and you've got Reddit and you've got all of these things are out there and people will find the community and it's, it's, it's evolution. You know, we have this community and then some, the masses come, 
it needs to be regulated and then there'll be another community. But Facebook, I mean, people have been talking about the demise of Facebook for years and years. I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. I think Facebook is here to stay. I like that Facebook is here to stay. Are they crushing in emerging markets? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I like I like what it's doing. Um, you know, I think we just have to start using it right. And even, I mean, I say that and I'm not innocent. I mean, like I said, you go back in January and you, there was like anger that you have to get out. And it, when you're getting anger out, it's just making other people more angry. I have some posts that probably have 200 comments on them. And at some point where I just had to tap out and like, guys, I can't. It's, and people are just angry going after each other. I'm like, okay, this is not what I wanted. I yeah. wanted an intelligent debate because I'm trying to learn too. Mm. So yeah, I think it'll be it'll be really interesting and in, in what. But it's not Facebook is not going anywhere. No, I'd agree. They're absolutely crushing in emerging markets. Mm -hmm. But I want to so, go back because yep. the 20 year thing is just. It's so weird. Like, I, I can't even imagine. I literally, I can't imagine. Like, yeah. I was talking to my business coach, and he's like, dude, like, I've been doing this for a long time. I think, like, 20, 30, maybe 40 years. I know that's a long window, but absolutely crushing. He's like, I've seen so many people burn out, you know? And very rarely for entrepreneurs is it an issue of not working hard enough. It's an issue of they weren't taking care of themselves. So yeah. how have you been able to, like, <laughs> maintain that? Um, well, I failed a lot. There have been moments where um, I have had burnout. Hmm. And one of the things that I do is I travel a lot. Like the way that I get re-energized is I go to festivals and that sounds weird, but because um, festivals are great because, and I'm not just talking about straight up music festivals. Like people think Coachella is a music festival and it mm -hmm. is, but there's art and there's fashion and there's people and, and you can have great conversations. Um, life is beautiful. And I told you I'm going to Burning Man this year for the first time. I'm, freaked out and excited all at the same time um life is beautiful in vegas where it's like learning and art and music and music is a part of it because music brings us together right um those things really keep me energized it's hard because they not only keep me energized but they kill me too because you're also you know it's not like you're not drinking and whatever and so you're you come back and you need three days to recover but also then beyond that just travel we just got back from asia hmm. and i will tell you know, I'm older, so I'm going to travel on a certain level because because my body hurts when I sit in an airplane. <laughs> like, um, but I tell people, travel. Like, whatever you do, make sure. And if, you're, if you don't have the money, that's not an excuse. I have, I use this, this friend of mine who's a farmer, and he farms, he's young, he's probably 29. He farms six months a year, and then the next six months he travels, and he, because he's in Illinois, and so the weather's not good enough. And he stays in hostels and he, you know, he's been to Cuba and I, I was in Cuba like two weeks after him and he goes to Hawaii for three weeks and he stays in hostels. There's nothing that replaces having conversations with people in other countries yeah. and um, experiencing their life. There's no education. And when we were in China and you know, I brought my kids and I wanted them to experience, we were in Seoul. And when you go to the border of North Korea, there's no history class that can explain what the people in, in South Korea feel for the North Koreans because they're just a divided family and how much they want that back together. You have to travel and see the world. And that's the kind of thing that for me, when I do that, I come back with new ideas. Um, I'm, I'm energized. I feel better about things and it feels good, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, but it's hard. And I've, I'm notoriously terrible at 
self-care. And um, I just recently, for the first time in my life, got a therapist. I highly suggest it. Um, I'm actually doing the online thing, which I've read mixed reviews on, but I'm, yeah. I'm a much better communicator um, via like the written yeah. message. And so that's been really helpful and really making sure having someone, it's like a business coach, right? She's going, what are you doing this week for self-care? You I know? tell my business coach and my yeah. therapist all the time. I've what got two of them. So. Yeah. What are you doing this week for self-care? I'm like, well, like I did a massage and I did float Milwaukee. Great no, experience. I didn't do that. I'm going to, so tangent float Milwaukee. I would highly suggest doing it twice. So mm-hmm. I have only been once. I'm going to go back the first time. It's kind of weird because it's a new experience and it's, it's, different i had a girlfriend go with me not in the same thing because that would be weird but she was because they don't let you have two people in one yeah. pod so um but she it was her second time and she told me it was so much better the second time because you knew what to expect yeah so try it how it's, long is it for you can go as long as well in theory you can go as long as you want but you can do an hour i did an, an hour and a half maybe no, so it's like a hour. bed you're in water you're in water and um you can float naked or you can float with a swimsuit yeah. on. I went naked. I think I would float with a swimsuit on next time just because I'm always cold. And it's there's like so much salt in the water that you mm. are naturally buoyant. And you just sit there and you can have the lights on or off. I was complete darkness. <laughs> and then you can have music. I did like music. I'd like, it's just like, yeah. it is like, like massage parlor music or whatever. Um, spa music and I had that because it just helped drown out other sounds the room is pretty soundproof but um, I have supersonic hearing so, <laughs> so I could hear things so I turned on the music and it was like it was like you go almost into a deep meditation mm. almost immediately and that was really cool Yeah. so I would say that's a good thing for self care and it's super important and because I'm a mom and I think naturally women are less like likely to do self-care um it's hard for me because i look at this and i think this is selfish i'm being selfish and even though i've read all the things that you know you can't take care of others if you don't take care of yourself i also have and you might have this too as kind of a leader and entrepreneur in my mind i've got this well you know you're just stronger and you can last longer and you're telling yourself these you know you can do this you can stay up till 2 a.m working because you're stronger than this person and not like a dig on that person just me yeah. saying, oh, well, you know, I can carry this weight. But eventually you can't. Like, you can't carry the weight. And then you have personal things that take over. And this is where, like, your team, like, that empathy that you build. My team knows the stuff that goes on in my life. And I have teenage kids, and they've gone through hell. And so they, my kid, my team knows the kids. The kids know the team. And they, they know when something's wrong. And I just tell them, hey, guys, I have to deal with this. And then they show up for you. And then... You have to do the personal care on top of it. And it's all kind of, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how it happens in like major companies. I know Zappos is the closest thing that I can study because I am so involved in them on a personal level. Mm. And I've been able to see how they've progressed and all of the things that they've gone through. And that's a 1500 person company, um, you know, and, and it's, it's tough, but you have to have, I think it's culture based. So you have to have, as um, the company grows, the people that have that vision and then teaching self-care throughout because it's not just self-care for you, it's self-care for your team, right? They get burnt out. Yeah. So um, I think that's part of it. Burnout in general is, I, I, there have been moments where I've been burned out. There's just no doubt. There's been moments where I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. 
and it always comes down to the answer of what else would I do? Like, I can't, I am definitely not employable at this point, you know? <laughs> like, there's no chance in hell someone would, they might Unless hire they me. send you to Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They might hire me, but after like two months, they're going to be like, oh, hell no. Like, you're <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> so, um, and I think like, when I was young, I mean, I was working and I still do work a lot of hours, but you're working 80, sometimes you could, this is your life, right? You don't think of anything else. This is your life and this is your baby. And now for me, this is my, I say it's my third baby because I have these two kids, but sometimes Sosh comes in front of the kids and they know that they're old enough to understand. Yeah. But if this kids need me, then I'm right there. And then if Sosh needs me, I'm there too. So it's, it's a delicate balance. Um, you better love what you do at the end of the day. You better love it like you'd love a child. And I do. I, you know, I, there, there are moments in the last, you know, it's, it's funny because we, we had the 10 years and then where we were working out of our homes. And then the last 10 years we've been working out of offices and we've had employees. And there have been moments where I've thought, like, fuck this. Like, I'm shutting this shit down. I do not need this bullshit. What am I doing? And it's, I'll sit in that space for a day or two and then something will happen. Oh, there's a great documentary that you have to watch, and I'll tell you that in a second, but something will happen that it will spark you know, the fire back in me. Mm. And I'll say, no, we're not, this is not the direction we're gonna go. I have a responsibility to the people that I employ. And you know, my one, my one responsibility, my number one responsibility to them is to make sure they get paychecks. Mm. And if, I shut everything down and they don't get, they can, they're all very employable. They can go get jobs, but that's not the agreement we have. You know, the agreement we have is I'm doing, I'm taking care of you. And so, um, and so I think that's the other thing that keeps me going is that I have a responsibility to my team. And then back to the documentary, Finding Joe, did mm -hmm. I tell you about this when mm -hmm. we talked? Joseph Campbell is one of like, I'm not a religious person in the sense that I wouldn't identify with Catholicism or Judaism. Um, maybe some other religions, but Joseph Campbell is someone I would consider my God. Hmm. He's um, a philosopher. He's, he's dead, but he's, he, he, there's a movie called Finding Joe, and it's all about his teachings, and he takes every myth, like all the mythology, like all of the teachings, and he brings it down to the hero's journey, which you've probably heard about. Um, and he's just a fascinating human being. He taught at Sarah Lawrence. And um, I really wish I would have lived, I don't know when he died, but I wish I would have just been able to meet him because yeah. he just, he's such an incredible human. And so Finding Joe is a documentary that talks about all of his teachings and it ties together every movie you've ever seen. You will love it because it brings in The Matrix, it brings in Star yes. Wars, it brings in like even The Wizard of Oz and it really <laughs> talks about the hero's journey, right? Something, here's your like, reality right in this moment yeah and something comes along and it, it's usually something negative and it bumps you out of your reality and now you have to go through these trials and tribulations these dark moments and people hurt you and people help you and then you come back i get chills talking about it then you learn something and you come out stronger and what he believes is that that's not the end of the journey the end of the journey is you're coming back and you're telling the story to the people who can use it and um every Incredible. time i hit a dark space and I do, like I had, 
I'm a creative, so you have all the natural ups and downs and the moments of, I don't have, um, like, I wouldn't ever classify myself as bipolar. I know that disease all too well, but there's obviously some yin and yang, right? There's the ma the mania that comes with creating, and then there's then you're exhausted, and there's the, mm. the, the downside, the depression. Um, and when I hit the dark side, it's usually the same thing. It's like I go for a day or two, I've noticed the patterns, and then usually, like, the end of day two or early day three, I watch Finding Joe, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I forgot the message. I forgot the message that yeah. you have to go through the darkness to come to the light. And every tattoo I have on my body has is is that transformation of happening through um, going through the darkness, coming to the light, and you you come out stronger than you were. And so it's okay when you have the burnout. It's totally fine. Feel the burnout, feel it, take a moment, reset, and then come back stronger than you were. And that's what I do. I've never heard that. I've never, ever. I like Hero's Journey, like for sure, I'm familiar with, but I like the idea of you're not over, it's not done until you're, you're telling the story. That's yeah, beautiful. isn't that cool? Like, I, that's what I love because I think that we, you, we learn from stories, right? And, and so I can tell you my story and share and then you might pull a piece and, and learn and then you tell me your story and I learn. That's why it's like, that's why I tell you, no, I am not better uh, just because I have a team and I'm than anyone else in the world. Like, I have learned the most amazing things from people that you would never expect, hmm. and I love it. And I and I sit down and I just want to like tell me a story, tell me what's going on yeah. in your life. So, um, but yeah, that's Finding Joe's. I probably watched it 150 times. I'm gonna watch it. It's <laughs> incredible. It. And sometimes when I'm on airplanes, I just listen to it because I always get. There's one moment where. The guy says, look, a, a negative, we're not denying you had this negative, right? You, mm. you definitely, you had a divorce, you're, maybe you went out of business, maybe whatever it was. That's a negative, we get it. But all a negative is, is a positive waiting for like a stroke of vertical awareness. I'm like, damn, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is. Yes. Because if you look at the burnout or anything that's, you know, where you're faced your wits end, if you look at it as here's just my learning moment, it's just, then it's not as dark right? And you don't feel so hopeless. Yeah. So that's how I kind of deal with the burnout. But yeah, it always so takes me two days of like... I'm similar. I got to lay in bed. I got to watch cartoons, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. play video games, um, go for a run and then psh, it's Exactly. Me. And it, it's like, I wish it didn't take me those two days, but I feel like that's just part of the journey. It's you got to be in the darkness a little bit. And um, people are so okay. afraid of that. They're so afraid of the dark, which yeah. is I, lo I love Batman. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of darkness because, like, I, again, I was a musician, I was a, re a writer. All of these things that I used to create, the most beautiful things that I would mm -hmm. create came from those periods of darkness. So, I, yeah, I dig it. I, and it's always the case. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really always the case. And they actually show Batman in the movie, and they think they're like, we're metaphorically challenged. What people don't understand is when you know, he goes into this cave. That's a metaphor for he's going into the darkness and then he comes out. But we're so challenged on metaphors. That but if are. you, but as soon as you watch the movie, you'll never see another movie the same way again. Yeah. Because every movie is set up this way, and you see the metaphor, and you see all the people, and you're like, ah. I love I like that. It. I love yeah. that. So lastly, I don't okay. want to keep you too long. No. Um, this is a strange on purpose podcast. Okay. We're all misfits here. We're weird <laughs> as hell. I'm weird as hell. Mm -hmm. um, what about you? It goes against the grain. What makes you misfit? How and why are you strange on purpose? Who? That's a good question. Um, I think there's a couple of things. One, I there's a certain thing that happens to a woman, and I'm not talking physically, when you hit a certain age, 
where you literally stop to just, you, you stop giving a fuck. And mm. I think for men that happens a little bit earlier or, or maybe men are, are trained, not to say that you guys don't care, don't, but, but you, as a woman, there's so many things that, I, especially my generation where you're brought up being told that you should be this and, and men are taught the same thing, but it's a little different. And I think, um, you know, the things that make me weird is that at some point I, I didn't want to dress the way that people wanted me to dress and I didn't want to fit the mold that people wanted me to be. And, um, I bring, you know, this, like, if you talk to people around town that know me, they'll make jokes about like, oh, she's out, you know, pl pleather pants. And I'm always <laughs> in tight pleather pants. Why? Because I was a gymnast for so long and I feel comfortable dressed yeah. like this, you know, and I will, I will, I'll walk into NML, I'll walk into any business meeting dressed like this. And I think that that, um, makes me feel more powerful and more like, not powerful in a bad way, but it gives me the confidence that I need. Um, a weirdness factor beyond that is typically you'll see me basically wearing the same thing all the time because I hate picking out my clothes. <laughs> I would be, for, so for the longest time, these pants are now kind of like, I have to throw them away, but I have a pair of pants, they're from BCBG, they were pleather, they had pockets on the side, which I love because I could put my phone in one and my passport in the other when I was traveling. And I have seven pairs of those pants. Because so I absolutely hate f figuring out what I'm gonna wear in the morning, like if I could just, and also I'm notoriously cheap when it comes to buying clothes. <laughs> Like, I like having nice shoes and a nice bag, but I'll get on, like, Nasty Gal and buy, like, the yes. $8 bodysuit. And I then, Sophie. yeah, and yeah, exactly. I'll get, I buy $8 bodysuits and, like, I live in that clothing. And if I felt like I could get away with just literally wearing the same outfit every day, I would do it. Because, again, the weird thing is you can only make so many decisions on a given day, right? And every decision you make, like, makes it more difficult to make the next decision. And I hate getting dressed in the morning. I literally hate getting dressed. <laughs> that is probably the most unique answer I've ever heard. Yeah, isn't it weird? Awesome. Um, awesome. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's the truth. Like I, if I could not get, not, uh, I love the com comfort, comfortability factor, comfort, comfort yeah. factor. I don't know. Yeah. I love that because I, I agree. Like I never look like this. This is weird. Um, <laughs> not even a reason. I'm just like, I'm going to put it on side today, you know? Um, but I'm so comfortable like being weird. I'm so comfortable being the misfit. Like that's where I'm comfort. And I walk into every meeting like that. Always. Yes. I close deals like that. Sometimes I'm in sweats, you know, but like that's where I'm comfortable. Yeah. That's I think the most effective. I think it's really important. And I feel like, you know, there's been a movement in the last five to 10 years that that's okay now. And it didn't used to be. And, um, I'm so glad it's more okay now. And there's an expectation because I'm from in marketing and I'm in social media that I'm going to, you know, dress a certain way. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we will walk into big corporations and I just, I gotta be me. And if I, if I'm worried about, am I wearing the right suit or am I wearing like, I can't be my most creative self. Yeah. And you know, that comes back to people, um, believing in what you believe and if they're comfortable with it and if they're not comfortable with it, I'm okay with it. Then it's okay. I don't, we don't need to work with each other. It's not because they're wrong. It's just, I'm okay. I think that's probably, there's a lot of weird things about me. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Got to lead into it. I mean, it's, but that's really, that's the thing I think that's most surprises people because, you know, they think, oh, well, she probably has a closet full of clothes. And I do. I just don't wear like 90% of them. <laughs> and honestly, if, my team knows this, but I would be fine taking my clothes off like tonight and just throwing this back on tomorrow so I don't have to think about it. <laughs>
I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> it's laziness when it comes to like presenting myself. Yeah. I just don't want to work through it. It's a lot of work, you know. It is. It's a lot of work. Putting for men on these personas. Women. Putting on these personas. I can't talk yeah. today. Trying to be someone. We're always <laughs> acting. So I, I yes. feel it. So that's my weirdness. Is so what? A, what should people be paying attention to? Where can they find out more? Um, just more about me or you, business, media. whatever you want to give. Yeah. Um. Well, one thing I would say is. Um, I, we are going to start putting out a lot more content about this type of thing. I have been a little bit backburnering some of my stuff, but um, you know, I think in general, if you're not watching TED Talks, mm -hmm. you're you're just not doing the right thing. There's all this free knowledge out there that, and, and even the old TED Talks are just great. It doesn't have to be the latest thing. So I would say watch TED Talks. Probably a lot of people are doing that if they're watching a podcast like this. Um, my latest thing that I'm super excited about is um, neuromarketing. Mm. And so there's a book called Biology. And really what we found is that consumers at the end of the day don't really understand what they want. They have an idea. Um, so focus groups are something that don't really work. But if we can put someone in an fMRI machine and watch where their brain lights up, that's a different ballgame altogether. Yeah. So we are going down the path of, that's what Socia's, I mean, as we talk about, you'll see the windows are gonna change at Soch, some things are gonna go down there. And what we're doing is, um, I call it a new agency for a new decade. And so, Incredible. thank you, yeah, we're looking down the path of how do we do that neuromarketing without being creepy or the bad guy. Like, yeah. I never wanna use it because you, it's very dangerous. You can use it for like we saw. It's not neuromarketing, but the past campaign you can use. Yeah. You know, so this kind of thing could still work for evil. So using really neuromarketing for good. Because at the end of the day, like I always explain it. I explain it by shoes because I'm such a shoe lover. But um, if I'm looking for a specific pair of shoes or a specific type of shoes, and I get an ad for those shoes, I am so happy to see that ad. <laughs> the happiest person in the world. Um, or even things that I didn't even know existed, but yeah. because I fit into a, a certain demographic, I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really cool, I like this. Um, so if we can do more of that and serve people up ads that they really care about because we understand what's going on in their brain, I bought then that that's phone cool. case on the floor within yeah. seconds of seeing it. Exactly. I bought some shoes You're like, within seconds. I didn't seconds. know this existed, it's but like, now I need yes, this. Yes, I need this <laughs> in my life. Thank you, Instagram, for showing me this thing 100%. And um, that's the path that, that we're going to go down, really, is that's understanding incredible. what happens. I'm such a nerd when it comes to neuroscience, and I that's just want to you know why people do what they do. Yeah. Like, what's the catalyst? And most of the time, we don't know, because if you're not self-aware enough, you don't have a clue. So. I was a sociologist, so I, I dig. You all love of that. that. I dig it. That's yeah. that's incredible and much much needed. So yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I'm gonna fist bump you because I always do it, and you're a beast. That's that was legit. really fun. This is fun. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah, cool. Good Thank shit. you. Yeah, I think they're gonna.